Welcome everyone to Vertical Playpen, the podcast all about adventure and experiential education. I'm your host, Phil, and in this episode, we turn the clocks back to January 24th, when I was fortunate to be able to sit down in person then to have an interview with Ross Cannon. Ross works in training and program development at Holbert Outdoor Center, which is based in Fairley, Vermont. Holbert also happens to be a client of High Fives. They are a fantastic advocate for adventure and experiential education. Thank you so much for listening and enjoy. everybody doing today hello hello i was thinking that whenever i say hello i wish there was people saying hello back it's like you're putting this hey everyone oh there's no no one said anything so i guess i'm used to doing it that way so ross adventure education experiential education it's an industry that i don't know many people who when they're a kid say i'm gonna be an outdoor educator i'm gonna be working adventure ed it's like i was reading a book to my daughter recently it's like um, a, a job book and it has like the jobs you're going to do, like a firefighter. There's always an astronaut. And I think the percentage is like 1% of the entire world's population. <laughs> but it's like, you know, an astronaut. True, yeah. it's, but it's like always in there. But outdoor educator is definitely not in that list. No. So for you, what was your interaction? How did you end up doing this? Uh, I started as a, as a camper at a summer camp, a sleepaway mm. camp. And I had a kind of a split upbringing between southwest georgia and then i really feel like i grew up in brooklyn huh, and then i yeah. started coming up to vermont and uh going to camp lanaquila uh kind of hour and a half from here and that opened my mind up to just stuff i didn't even know i could really do i was going on trips i learned how to canoe there uh, uh, yeah. we had ropes courses we had all the stuff that i hadn't really touched base with yeah um growing up in georgia you know I lived in pretty much the country, so you could just get on your bike and ride and Mm -hmm. go play in the dirt somewhere. Um, But then moving to Brooklyn and not having that connection, I found that in Vermont, and that was about 17 years ago. And now I'm still connected to the foundation that had the camp that started with yeah. me so were you were you forced to go to camp was it was it like did you have a choice as a kid or was I had it, a choice yeah it was my my cousin came to this camp the year before i did uh, told yeah. my parents about it told yeah. my mom about it and we went to an open house and i saw the slideshow and i was like no that's pretty cool and i went and that was pretty much it it was the most fun i can remember having mm. and just the way that the counselors were interacting with me that it just felt different and special. Mm. And then as I got older and I became a counselor, kind of learned the ideas behind that. And that had me start to think I could see this as something I want to do. And then I kind of finally made a decision to do it one day. Was that an invitation? Did someone say to you, like, I think you could do this or did you pursue it yourself? Like a little, a little bit of both. A little bit of both, I'd say. I say along the way, I definitely had some good mentors, Mm. uh, people that I saw the traits that I wanted to have for myself in there. Um, You know, it doesn't, it didn't hurt either that when I was 13, a kid told me that that was their role model and I didn't know why. (laughs) It just was, I had never heard that before. And I was like, so what does it mean to be a role model? What's that look like? And then I started looking around at people that I looked up to and seeing if you are a role model, there's these things that go along with it. Um, And then- I became a counselor in training, 
when I was 16. And that's when I started to really learn why behind everything. You know, mm. it wasn't for, for our camp. It wasn't just, um, just you come and have fun. There's, there's a lot of thought that went into everything and, and made me realize that this is what people are actually working to do. They're not just showing up and yeah. making it happen. They're spending time thinking about it before, during, and after to make an experience something yeah. great. So I wanted to figure out more about how to do that. Yeah. So I went off and started trying to figure that out. There's, there was a, uh, I don't know if you're a, a member of the uh, Summer Camp Pros on Facebook. It's like a Facebook group. Mm-hmm. But in that, someone posted a question like a couple of years ago or maybe last year that was something about the magic of magic of camp. Like, yep. is camp magical? And it had so many, so many comments about it. Like people were saying, no, camp is magical. Or, or as a kid, you see this as this magical quality. But as a staff, you see it in a different light. Like we have to create the magic. Mm-hmm. And it isn't a... Camp doesn't have a just magical quality about it. Like it's a lot of work that goes into it. When you were both a kid and then becoming a counselor, what for you was that magical piece about camp? Two kind of core concepts that stand out that we kind of base our whole summers on, and it carries into what, even the work that I do um, with Holbert is that um, one of the things is we have rule number six, uh, which is not to take yourself too seriously. So yeah. whatever, and there's no rule one through five. It's just rule number six. <laughs> That's awesome. So uh, I like that. That there's a lot of humor and being yeah. real with everything. Yeah. So that helps you connect that way. Um, and then Monakil was an all boys camp, mm. and I spent a lot of time with uh, just my mom and my sister. So I didn't really have a lot of. I, I mm. went. I went. I had so. I spent a lot of time with my mom and sister, but I also went to an all boys high school when I started going to what kind of when I was going to camp. And so I spent a lot of time in, in all male communities and then a lot of time in just women dominated communities. Mm. I had a lot of, like I, at one point I was a dancer and, you know, I went to dance competitions. Mm. And so that's a lot of females there. And then following my sister through that. So I spent a lot of time with just women as well. Yeah. We're kind of split in between each one. We, live in a in a society now people think about culture a lot more and kind mm-hmm. of men and women culture mm-hmm. and the differences between the two right there's yeah. expectations of how women think men should be and there's inspiration about how men think men should be mm-hmm. um and at La Aquila, it was the first place where they reinforced that there's many ways to be a man yes that there's different yeah. levels to how you can you know be a man and not have it be any less or better than a different man. Mm. And when I, I felt that when I was there as a camper, I just felt it, mm-hmm. but I didn't know that was what we think about. Mm. And then when I became a counselor and I understood that that's what we actually facilitate mm-hmm. on a day-to-day basis, that was whew, a yeah. really big thing for me. And I was like, if I'm going to, I want to do that type of work. Mm -hmm. I want to do that work that reinforces that for boys that want to be men later. Mm -hmm. Um, And that was really powerful. And that kind of helped me come back to this is something that I think I could do um, and use outdoor ed and use our facility and use our space and our thinking to help other people figure that out, men and women too, because, you know, there's many ways to be a man, many ways to be a woman, just many ways to be a human. And as we understand each other more, we can figure that all out. So that really brought me back to that work. Wow. That's such a cool concept or like a realization of what, 
because I, I, I totally see it and I see it in the work that I did when I worked at camp that it, it was more about just allowing people to be their own human yep. than having to be in this like bubble of like, this is the way I do, get to find mm-hmm. or the way I have to act in this, in society or in my community. Yeah. And I can not be that now and sort of not reinvent, but relax into just, cause I remember, I remember when I first got there and I was like the, the camp, I remember as a, um, cause I never went as a kid. I only went as a staff. I remember mm-hmm. my first year I was, I was 20 and I, they did a big campfire and was singing songs. And I was like, I felt so embarrassed and awkward by the experience. Like everyone's just like singing, like this is not me. I'm like from England, like the stiff upper lip kind of like stuff for the mindset. If I have to be, I can't be, have this joyful act. Like I see that and it seems funny, but I don't feel comfortable in it. But by the end of the summer, I was like leading the campfires and singing the songs. And I think that's what people miss when they go home and they don't have that camp environment, yeah. you go through that like depression period of like you miss it because I think it's not you're missing the workload or the long hours. Nope. Definitely or, not missing that. No. You know, <laughs> it's what you miss is that sense of freedom of mm-hmm. community where you can just be your own goofy self or right. you can, if you like arts and crafts, you can find that. If you like sport, you can find that, but you're not shoehorned into a space which is kind of freeing, which I hadn't really considered as probably and that it, magical piece. And I think that you you also miss knowing that you're in a community of people that 90% of you feel the same way. Yeah, that's you true. Know, you can, because, you know, you can go to an office, back to your office, back to school, yeah. be in your classroom, and you're like, man, no one else here really has that feeling about this classroom that I do mm-hmm. or this group of people that I do. Yeah. But when you're at camp or you're, you know, in those communities, you you instantly know that everyone feels that way. That's yes. why people are like, you know, your camp friends, yep. those are your friends for life. No, because you spend so much time with them and you have this amazing connection that is longer than, you know, studies show us if you spend time with someone in your classroom Absolutely. at school or your teacher at school. Yep. And you have a counselor that's the coolest person in the world and they're only four years older than you sometimes, you know, yeah. but they embody some of these some of this magic building and this philosophy that they understand that for you to have my experience it it makes me be a better person Speak a little bit to Holbert and Lana Keeler and what's going on with the Aloha Foundation in terms of all of that. You've, it's a, such a big world there. And I know that as well, there was a lot of High Five alums that, that made their way, made their way yeah. from Holbert world to the, the High Five worlds. But tell us a little bit about Holbert. The Holbert Outdoor Center is the year-round sort of 10-month arm of the Aloha Foundation. The Aloha Foundation has a bunch of different camps. We have two girls camps. Aloha Hive and Aloha for girls. Aloha Hive is for girls 7 to 12. Aloha is for girls 12 to 16. Lana Kilo, where I went, is for boys 8 to 14. We have a Horizons, which is a day camp that serves our local community. Ohana, which is a family camp. Families can go there. Uh, and then Holbert's. So we have all this stuff happening, mm. you know, really mainly in the summertime, but Holbert's there year-round. The thing that drew me to Holbert was the the difference in people, but the same pieces of our philosophy. So we have the same 
thought process around taking what makes, you know, what's the magic, what brings people together, but we take that to a larger community. Mm -hmm. So, you know, while we have our camps there, we see, you know, maybe 700, 700 people during the summertime, you know, between our, our residential camps, um, Holbert sees, you know, we saw something like 3000 kids last year. So we're taking that same energy and we're spreading it out Mm -hmm. across a large area, all up and down the East coast. Kids Mm -hmm. come from as far away as Delaware uh, to come up and hang out with us. And that was really interesting to me because I knew what eight weeks of camp could do for you. And I really wanted to know what just three days at Holbert could do for you. After doing it for five years, you really people feel that same connection. You know, we've had teachers who have brought their students to Holbert for one, one teacher who retired two years ago, literally brought her kids to Holbert, her entire teaching career. Yeah. That was part of her curriculum was having that time Hmm. at that space with her students. Uh Um, And when people have that connection, it's powerful. Yeah. And it, and it radiates the building. So people feel it. And Holbert, we have, a lot of different programmings that we offer. We have our traditional sort of school programs where kids come and they're there for three days, you know, anywhere from one to typically three days, one to five days. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we have the ropes course, team building, depending on the seasons, we'll go canoeing, we'll go on uh, day hikes. We can yeah. facilitate all that stuff. And we have an amazing group of instructors really put all that together. Um, that's where I started at Holbert as yeah. an instructor. And we put all that program together and people have that, that magic, that experience together. Cause we can, we're a lot of, we get lucky to get a lot of camp counselors as well who want to take that same step yeah. and figure out how this becomes, um, you know, an actual, an actual career. Mm-hmm. And they bring that magic. They get the campfires, they get the songs, they yeah. get what it's like to, you know, to rally the troops to do something they don't want to do, you know, yeah. all that kind of stuff. Uh, and that really helps us take the next step. So that's kind of one of our main programs. Mm-hmm. We um, also have our success leadership programs, which we combine some of our pieces of our success counseling model um, as far as teaching kids what philanthropy is. Mm. And then we tie in um, our team building. So oh. with that, we've kind of got a nice, we started doing that over the last five years. Yeah. And we've grown from doing in our first year, we had two schools. And then this year we had about, 12 schools come wow. to us for that program. So, And what, what does that program look like? What, how does it play out? Is it you follow the kids through a period of time or they come for this one opportunity? What? So they come. So we generally, so for the success, the success leadership program, yeah. we have um, kids typically, our target range is sixth through eighth graders. Mm. Um, but we've expanded that to some high school students, yep. juniors and seniors. And we've also done it on the lower end for a, a school from uh, Page Academy out of Boston where we're doing it for second to fifth graders. Nice. Um, so we've, so we yeah. our program yeah. for whoever kind of wants to get that experience. Yeah. And we have some repeat customers some some kids that come back, you know, mm-hmm. maybe for one or two uh, or even three years, depending mm-hmm. on the school. And it's cool to see kids come back after they go through our success counseling training and they come back and say, okay, so I got home and my brother was bothering me and I tried asking this question and it worked, but then it didn't. What can I do differently next time? And we're like, wait, what? Um, So that's always really cool when they, when when they feel they've got enough of it, when they walk out of the building, they want to, I'm going to try this at home. This is different. This is Mm -hmm. exciting. I want to try it out. And they try it on their peers and all that. And that's one of the things that we think about, especially for Holbert, is that 
and even at the camps too, but really through the Holbert lens is that you're not going to get that eight week experience, but we want to give you enough little chunks that you can feel confident to go out and try and make those small changes in your community yeah. and who you are, because yep. that's how you know the one little ripple in the pond, that's yeah. how it all spreads out. Yeah, um, it's planting the trees you never see. Yeah, it's like you, you never you know. You don't know what's going to happen. You hope that you give them the information that's going to be valuable for them for the future. But sometimes right. you don't hear those stories. Right. But when you hear those stories, they're like, okay, this right. stuff is working. <laughs> you it's know? working and it's, you know? it's different. It's, it's, yeah. it's, it feels different than what you traditionally get. And, you know, when we think about, you know, what kids get out of school these days mm-hmm. and what – issues schools face because there's just so much going on in schools yep. and so much that kids are are influenced by these days that we haven't had to think about in forever. Mm-hmm. Um, when they hear something that's actually different, mm-hmm. they stop and they're like, what'd you just say? And I, I remember that when I was a kid. So when I yeah. was 13 and, you know, and I had done something wrong, you know, I wasn't, yeah, I wasn't, I wasn't the worst kid, but I wasn't the best kid. <laughs> yeah. you know, I, yeah, I had you know went to the principal's office a few times, and when I was in those similar situations, and someone asked me, "What do I want out of the situation?" versus "Tell me what I did wrong," mm. that was a that was weird and different for me when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. But it led me to understand what I actually did wrong more than yeah. than someone saying, "Do you know what you did was wrong?" And mm-hmm. I'm like, "No, like I don't. Like yeah. why am I here?" Yeah, and our the same situation. Had someone ask me, "What do I want out of this situation?" I'm like, "Well, what do you mean? What do I want?" Mm-hmm. I never. No one's ever asked me that question before. I never mm. had to take that second to think about it. And when we're getting kids to give them the opportunity to think that way, mm-hmm. it's different for them. Yeah, and they want and they they want to do it. Can you think of, as I try to think of my own stories of like moments that I've heard of success or actually seen, like the work that I'm doing actually has a benefit? People are more likely to want to do something when they see people who look like them. And I think that I, I meet a different demographic than yeah. the traditional outdoor educator. And we had the school, Page Academy, who's a, uh, a, pr- a school of mostly black and uh, some Spanish students that come to us and they're, and they're in their second mm-hmm. to fifth grade. And they were nervous about coming. Mm. They were nervous about coming and they said, you know, we, we, we understand, we understand that this is what our students mm-hmm. need, but we're kind of nervous about it becoming like a, like we're brainwashing them situation. <laughs> yeah. And like, you're like, we're bringing these kids in and now all of a sudden they're going to be like thinking totally different yeah, than themselves. Kumbaya and, moments. Right. Like, yeah, what yeah. are we getting ourselves into? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and so the first year they came, they're like, all right. So they brought the teacher, they brought the principal, they brought the assistant principal, yeah. they brought like the whole crew. We want to know what they're, what was about to happen to our kids. And the program came along. They went, it went great without a hitch. The kids loved it. They've been back multiple times. They're coming back again this year. They'd be their third year coming to us. But after the first year, when we were sitting down and we're debriefing it with them, they said, we were, we were nervous about, cause they, and they hadn't told me this before. Like we were nervous about coming. Mm-hmm. Um, and just the fact that you were the one leading this program for our students put us at ease. And we had only we had only talked on the phone at that point via yeah. emails, no idea, and they're like, "Okay, we can get behind." And that was not something that I I mean I wished for it. Obviously, I, it was it was a, it was a wish in the back of my mind, but mm-hmm. to see that actually happen, that 
we want to continue to do this. And this is really, this is good for our kids. We think it's good for them. And the fact they can see you helping them through this is doubly impactful. Can you see the industry somewhat having to change and adapt? Because I think that to be able to meet the needs of the current population, where do you feel that needs to go? Can you feel a direction for it? I think that outdoor ed gives a great opportunity for the things that sort of the traditional models can't speak for. Mm. You know, there's there's a lot of, as we move towards a society that's not for a, not for any, faults that is more conscious of everyone's specific needs mm. that the outdoor ed and you know programs that we have like success council success leadership and some of those programs offer an opportunity to foster those conversation pieces yeah. that in some ways there's not enough time to speak on mm. you know when we when we talk when we're talking to students during that program we're we're tailoring the conversation to what's the problems that they're facing. Mm -hmm. You know, what are they facing in their communities? What are they facing in, you know, their lives that are sort of in the way of everything else? You know, you Mm -hmm. hear schools, you know, like when you talk about just the, for one thing that pops in my head, because I love him, LeBron James, you think about the LeBron, like the pride school, you think about the school understands that, I cannot address the academic needs of students until I meet their physical needs. Yeah. And if, if those two things don't connect, mm-hmm. then we're never going to, they're never going to care about algebra yep. just because you'd rather eat than do algebra mm-hmm. all the time. And we can support schools in getting to what they want to get to by doing some of our different programs. Yep. Because, you know, it makes sense that they are trying to focus on the academics they need to focus on. But we have this amazing opportunity to be seen truly as partners to education, yes. not not separate from it. Or yeah. like that we really that when we're educating, we are educating to make the people better. I think I think that that's something that we understand and we mm-hmm. want to highlight. But as we continue to grow as an industry and we begin and people's views on things change, we really see us as the place to support everything that they're trying to do. As, as, as you look at the industry, as like as I mentioned earlier, like a pseudo education, because we're doing the exact same thing, like trying to reinforce that what we do is essential. It's not a, a supplement. Mm-hmm. It's not like, you know, if I, my vitamin C is like low, I'm going to take some tablets for, it, you know, mm-hmm. like it, I, I'll fix it. It's an essential like water and air almost. Mm-hmm in terms of the the being human beings and all those kind of things. And then also as you think of like a broadening the range of what we do, like opening it up to more populations, mm-hmm. more demographics, a diverser population, mm-hmm. uh, meeting the needs of more people where they're at. What do, what, sh- what can we do as educators? And I don't have an answer for this. I remember bringing that up at a workshop one time of like naturalist outdoor educators. Where do we go from here? How do we make this? Cause we all know it's awesome. We all say it's great. How do we promote that to the outside world? I think there's, I think there's still some, some stigma around what, you know, mm. what that one outdoor educator is. Yes. Yeah. That, you know, no, like I, that everyone is, you know, that we're all hippies living in the woods, yeah. transient, you know, in the woods, <laughs> stinky, smelly, you know, yeah. but you know, we're sitting and, you know, you guys like 
Unigate has been around for 20 years. Yeah. Holbert's been around for 41 years. Yep. You know, people that have worked at Holbert have worked at High Five and gone mm-hmm. on to run other programs from High Five too. So, yeah. you know, there's a lot of benefit to the actual industry as far as I think we can highlight the careers you can have out of it. You know, we think mm-hmm. about, you know, people I talk about staff that work for us for a couple of years, they go, they go back to grad school and then they wind up in the, in a teaching role in the, sort of the exact school they want to be in because their minds and people that have come before them have kind of shaped like, okay, if we're making a school, this is going to be a part of, we need people who are going to teach sort of this way, right? Yeah. There are people that are going to be focused on not just the the academics, but understanding the full aspect of a child. Mm-hmm. And you kind of, and you get, and you kind of realize that a little bit more in, in kind of our field because that's where we start. Yeah. You know, we start with the people first and then we use... Mm-hmm all of our tools in our tool bag to help that person get what they want to do versus saying, these are our tools. We're going to get you there. Yeah. You know, it's a little, so it's a little bit different yeah. when people, you know, move into schools and they see that this type of educator I can get to teach them, to teach math. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. That's gonna be the best math teacher ever. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that when we, when people start to see it that way mm. and um, start to see that, that it's really a people first mm-hmm. place that that makes that that will change what it is. It's not all about us just trying to, you know, make the world happy, go lucky. Exactly. Everything's going to be fine. Like, no, no, we really understand there are problems. Yeah. And the thing is that we're trying to help the people solve their problems by doing some of these things. That's why I really love being a trainer because I feel like I'm sharing information with individuals that then go to back to their populations mm-hmm. and share it with them. It's like a, actually getting that further than, mm-hmm. all right, the only place they can go is go to Holbert. Like if they go to Holbert, you'll experience it. But when you leave... There was a corporate client one time we worked with who I played a bunch of games and we did a lot of stuff and connections and they loved it. And at the end they were like, oh, it's a, such a shame we have to go back to our nine to five. It doesn't have to be that that, wait, 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 wait. Yeah, that wasn't it. <laughs> yeah. You know, that this wasn't a singular one moment in his time where you'll never get anything like that again. The point of this is like everything you experience, take that back to where you are mm-hmm. and make that be a part of that world. Because if you okay. enjoyed that, that doesn't mean you can't bring it back. Right. And I think that's something good for future, like some students who are listening to this, who want to just go into this career. It's that the skill sets you can learn in this field are so beneficial to other fields. So relatable. It's more relatable than you even think. We talked about this a little bit before that, you know, you start with the basics of like your lesson, your lesson plan for when you're going to be go off and facilitating a, you know, a three hour block, whatever, right? You're, you start to understand lesson planning and you are trying to understand being able to switch things up on the fly. You start to understand working with other people, especially if you're out of college or taking mm-hmm. some time off to really have an environment where you can start to put some of those things into place mm-hmm. and then be more prepared and more, more confident to deliver that somewhere else versus being going and being like, okay, now you're a teacher, classroom teacher. Boom. Here you go. Yeah, yeah. Right? It's like, oh, well, well. I mean, I'd say teacher because we get a lot of teachers that kind of pass through us, but mm-hmm. anyone, you know, you work long days, you work hard, but you can feel good about your work and what what that means for you. Yeah. You know, and, and in terms of like staff culture and all of those components, right. like if you know how to interact with people, you have some tools to be able to solve problems or have constructive conversations with people that don't become arguments. Like all of those can, those things that we sort of teach. No, for me now, as I've, you know, moved into coordinating programs and helping people get their things going, it challenges working with the staff I have and mm. knowing how they're trained it challenges me and my coworker to think about 
what they really need to, to, to be better and how we can be better so that they can be better. Mm. For we had our staff orientation, you know, we've had a, we had a, we had a returning staff, which was, which we're very happy to have, mm-hmm. but we felt it was important just to take a step back and like, let's just define mentoring. Like just, we, we, we talk about this is what we're doing all the time, but like, yeah. let's just as a group, take a step back and define it and see what that looks like. Mm-hmm. And then we can lay out how we help plan on mentoring you guys. And also now knowing this is how you like to be mentored. So yeah. this helps us help you. Yep. And this is what we think we're doing already. So, so you know, we're trying to do this. Mm-hmm. We can still do the things you need us to do, but that's, you have to, you think of, you think of it that way. Like, all right, they, they know what mentoring is. Of course, they're 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 outdoor educators. Yeah. That's all we do, right? Exactly. But let's talk about it. Let's actually yeah. have a discussion about it. Every year at High Five, we do a three day retreat, mm-hmm. and it's something we like recommend to all sites. Like we have to, if, let's practice what you preach. Mm-hmm. If we say it's important, we should also do it ourselves. So we take three days. We the office is closed. We go to a site. We make meals together. We stay in this this uh, lodge together. And but we do exactly that. We do actually a disc profile uh, mm-hmm. as a staff. We have someone come in and we talk about what you know as an employee. What I need as an employer. What like the supervisor supervisee kind of mindsets. Like how do we communicate as a group? Mm-hmm. Because and I think that's a, often a selling point mm-hmm. of high five. And I felt it when I was an attend like a participant through workshops that high five does feel like as a family mm-hmm. but it takes work so we spend a lot of time every month we do a staff meeting we reassess we often have a lot of meetings that darn about how do we design something but talk about our processes internal of mm-hmm. like because i think those things once you've got to understand what needs of people then that's so much easier but the assumption is always there you know like we do we do it with kids we edgy leadership with the younger kids we do a whole section on emotional literacy mm-hmm. well we should probably teach them what the words mean if right. they're going to start saying i'm sad or happy like what are the defined and how nuanced is some of the other stuff and how does it feel for other people teach them that stuff i often do this at an adventure base or training i'll do high five mingle or a handshake thing but then i'll teach people where a handshake comes from why right. do we do it like what's the point of it and like, what are the benefits of doing it? And it's like, sometimes people look at me like, you're teaching me about handshakes? But it's like, that's, yeah, the, <laughs> that's the thing. Break it down to it's very basic. It's not patronizing. It's just we, as adults, are constantly making assumptions that everyone knows stuff because I know it. Right. Because I know it, you must know it. And the same when we think of challenge courses is the zip. I so often see people say that, like, I want to get people on the zip. Oh, I love the zip. You'll love the zip. Going on a zip or being up high is not the same for other people. Mm-hmm. It's it's not like just because it's a fun experience that's fun for everyone. Right. And it's being able to see people where they're at. And I think that's also sometimes a flaw of sites that have zips that only like have a thing where everyone goes through it. It's, mm-hmm. it's like meet people more where they're at and don't make assumptions, blank assumptions on something that's fun or something. Right. It's like a new facilitator mistake where they have an activity and they have a goal of what the activity is going to bring out. Mm-hmm. Like I'm going to do helium hoop and it's going to talk about this. And then that thing doesn't show. And then they still talk about that. Oh, God. <laughs> you know, it's like, because that's, you, you, you make an assumption of this is where I'm going with something. This mm-hmm. is the outcome. And it's not reading the group or meeting people where they're at. And I think mm-hmm. that's the awesome thing of also about the work we do is it, 
it does change. It's not the same. Every group is going to be different mm -hmm. because there's different people in the group. Right. Every adventure basics I lead or even beyond basics, even though it's a little bit more technically minded, it's always different. The personalities are different. The way I have to teach is different. The f speed of stuff I have to change. And every day I change the plan. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. That's got to be. a nickel for every time when if I'm leading a, a three-hour block, it's like, what I plan on doing these things today. Yeah. The kids get there after the first 10 minutes. You're like, well, not doing any of that. <laughs> I'm going to change this up real quick. I'm going to need to figure something else out. Yeah. But that's because it's with the people. It's not exactly. about it's not about us as much as the facilitator as it is about what our mm -hmm. participants need. Exactly. Which is yeah. just amazing. And it goes back to that facilitator. We make it easy for someone. We're not telling it's not there's not a cut answer. Sometimes people want like what's the what's the outcome? Well, we don't know. Mm -hmm. And it's okay. And we'll we'll just go with it and we'll figure out what ends up showing itself and if the outcome changes, we'll be honest about that, but and we'll, and we'll go with it. And we'll go with that. And I think that's the the flow of it. The last thing I will say, because I often find like students listen to this and we talked about like people often ask me, how do I, how would I become work at High Five? What, mm -hmm. What's my path? And I, it gets different. And we sort of talked about like oh, the, the hard pathways to get here have similarities, but some differences mm -hmm. and there's magic and all that kind of stuff. But what would be a, like a tangible tip that you would give to a student straight out of college, maybe who has just done outdoor education or adventure education, wants to jump in and let's say they want to work a whole, but what? What advice do you give to them? Advice I give to them, I mean, I think one, I would say, put yourself out there. Mm. One, like you know, mm. if you if you if you feel if you feel like something that you want to do, I'd definitely suggest trying it because I think that the fact that you want to do it, you have something to bring to mm. the job mm -hmm. um, because that's where it all starts. Because you're gonna, you have to want to do it. <laughs> you can't, you can't just, you know, mm. you're like, all right, you know, I'm just gonna go and just work some nine to five thing and <laughs> just don't do this for a little bit. Cause it's not nine to five. No. It's, you know, our typical day is seven to four, seven forty five to four. And then you come back from uh six to eight thirty. So yeah. it's not a, it's not a <laughs> typical day. So yeah. it's different, but I think you, I think you necessarily have to be an outdoor education major, anything like that. You know, when, with the, another program corner there, he was an English major, mm. um, but he, yeah, so that's me yeah, too. Right? So like you know he's <laughs> yeah. that, that but he but he enjoyed he and he had an enjoyment of being outside. So he yeah. was, he was he liked hiking and things like that. But doesn't mean that he went to school for that. Yeah. You know? Um so like your passion. I think it's a passion driven mm. um sort of industry. Um I know that that's kind of one of the things that helped me get up every day is that I feel passionate about my work. Mm -hmm. Um that I'm, that I I understand what I'm doing every day. It's clear what we're doing. Yeah. It's clear why we're trying to do things. Yeah. Um, you know, like I, we work with, we partner with High Five and all the things we do because we understand what you guys are doing, yeah. right? And you want to be with similar people. Mm -hmm. I think that that's another thing that's a draw to this type of work. You can really feel an understanding of why you're going to be going to work every day. Yeah. And why you're going to be working programs because, you know, <laughs> because people come to us and they expect this output, right? They yeah. expect, you know, to, to get something and understand something. So we have to be able to explain it in some ways. And I think that that can help you as a young person try to figure it out that, mm -hmm. Hey, I can, I can see myself working for that type of work. What's your elevator speech for what you do? Let's say someone who's didn't know the industry mm -hmm. said, Hey Ross, what do you do for a job? What do you, what's your, what your go to statement? <laughs> I, I, <laughs> That's what I realized. Like, I, 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 yeah. I joke. I, I, 
so jokingly sometimes say like I'm changing lives. Yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm changing lives. Um Yeah, that's you know, I'm I'm but then I then I break down what I actually do and yep. how the programs but you know that we're yeah, that we're we're changing lives one one kid at a time. Do I and how do I do that? I do that by running ropes courses mm-hmm. and teaching canoeing and I do that through hard conversations and I do that through facilitating uh, programs teaching our mm. teaching our instructors all that comes into changing people's lives yeah. every day. We need to be a little less humble and a little bit more proud of the work that we do mm-hmm. in order for us to be able to say with confidence even not as a joke we change lives. Mm-hmm. I think that will just only bolster the field if we start I believe in, but you know? I, I think another thing that's great for us, especially, is that when that yes, we could like you know we could put it. I wish we could put it on billboards and say like <laughs> yeah. this is what we're doing is great. Yeah. But there's such a power in you know like our growth. Say for like the leadership program that I talked about, we started from started from a couple schools, mm. and the way we've grown is by people saying, "Hey, you should go. Yeah, go, go talk to them. So like, go, go. Like this was great for my kids. Yeah. It'll be great for your kids too." Mm-hmm. And it expands to their community, and then someone else hears about it, and people have changed changed roles at different schools, and they're like, "Okay, cool, we went to this other place, but yeah, we need to go and see these guys oh, because yeah. that was where it was at." Exactly, um, and that's great. Thank you so much, Ross, for joining us Thanks and for being me. here and sharing your stories and sharing your history yeah. and the work that you do at Holbert is awesome. And, you, yeah. and from my perspective as a high five trainer, Holbert, you bring staff to us all the time for trainings. You hear our recommendations. You're champions for us in the industry. So we're proud to have you join us and be a client of ours. No, so thank you. Thank we're you. happy to work with you guys. You guys yeah. do great stuff. So thanks, Ross. It's easy. Thanks for listening to Vertical Playcast. And then what about thanks for listening to High Fives Podcast? Can you do it? Okay, try. Thanks for getting a Papa guy. <laughs>